I, I left out of the meeting with them and I went across to cafe and I got onto Twitter and I saw a 30-year-old alcohol researcher just come out with some really interesting insights to it. So I tweeted it out to 10 journalists. One of those journalists was a BBC news journalist and we got into a conversation. She was about to do a piece on AA and women and we talked about what we were doing and she was like, forget that, let me do it about one Yenobia. Two months later, we had a 10-minute feature on BBC World News in over 200 countries. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, Gavin here. Episode 42, Business Mastermind Podcast. I recently had the pleasure of meeting and then the opportunity to interview co-founder of One Year No Beer, Rory Fairbairns. Rory um, is a very driven character, has created him and his business partner, co-founder Andy, have created something that's become quite a movement around the world. 60,000 members across 90 different countries. So I, irrespective of whether you're as passionate about the subject of their business and the difference it makes as he is, there's some real gems in this interview about how he's built community, how they've been found something that's really driven them in terms of a purpose and how that puts more fuel on the fire. A really good in, in conversation. We go deep in certain places, so, so much so that it's going to be spread over two episodes um, because uh, there's so much good stuff in there. But always, Paul, yes, he's got a message ar- around what his business does around one year, no beer and becoming alcohol free. In addition to that, though, there's some real gems around his skill sets and how he's done that and his persistence as an entrepreneur and about how you can grow a community that's purpose driven and make a real difference and, you know, have a successful business as well. So here's my interview with Ruri. Hello and welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, I've got the great pleasure sitting down with co-founder of One Year No Beer, Ruri Fairburn. So Ruri, good morning. Good morning. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Great to be here in sunny North Berwick. Yes. Near Edinburgh. Beautiful part of the world, isn't it? It is an absolutely stunning part of the world. Did you wake up with the view? I wake The view was fabulous. The sun was out. It was a nice breeze. And um, yeah, looking out to sea, it's just, uh, yeah. Quite something, isn't it? (laughs) It is, yeah. I want to get on that water. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. So... For for the listeners who don't know who you are, who don't haven't even necessarily come across uh, one year no beer, I don't know how you could have missed it. Their uh, Facebook advertising is phenomenal, <laughs> as is the bill that goes along with it. Um, so, uh, Ruri, first of all, just explain a little bit about your background and your entre- entrepreneurial journey to date. You've, this is is it your sixth startup? Yes, <laughs> um, serial failpreneur. Serial failpreneur, brilliant. <laughs> um, not with this one, obviously. So um, I'm originally from the west coast of Scotland, a small island called the Isle of Mull, a oh. beautiful part of the world. Love it. Um, and Whereabouts um, in Mull? Dervig, little village called Dervig. Amazing. <laughs> yes. Spent a lot so, of time sailing in and out of Tobermory. Yeah, well, we used to operate boats out of Tobermory. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, so uh, growing up on the Isle of Mull was, you know, it was pretty wild up there. And um, I was wild, ADHD, really struggled, six years old, you know, given the choice, my parents were given the choice of drugs or counselling. And I'm very lucky that they fought hard for the choice of counselling. Wow. Um, and um, so I entered into counselling at six years old. Wow. Um, and I was in, you know, counselling at secondary school and uh, had a really troubled 
um, head, really couldn't couldn't place it. Um, and um, do just really, really didn't fit in, I think is the best way. So I've got deepest sympathy for people with ADHD. It is my superpower. We'll come on to that. But, um, you know, in the early years, it's really hard to manage this um, volcanic brain. Um, so anyway, at the age of um, 14, I wrote a letter to Richard Branson and I said, um, I'm going to change the world one day and I'm looking forward to having lunch with you. Um, Richard did not reply, so oh, lunch is definitely going to be on him. <laughs> um, and uh, at 15, I set up my first business, um, a company called Ultimo Media, yeah. uh, which was selling and servicing PCs on the Isle of Mull. I made more money from from uh, teaching um, people uh, how to use a mouse and and uh, and keyboard and keyboard shortcuts than I did from selling um, PCs. But Fantastic. I ran that little operation for two years and. Um, um, yeah, so I um, realized I needed to learn how to sell. So I started, I moved down to Glasgow and um, I started selling door to door. That was an absolute baptism of fire. Oh my goodness, um, yeah. But was extremely successful at it. Um, one of the things I sat down in a in McDonald's one day with three other lads and it was pouring with rain somewhere down in East Kilbride. And um, we were talking about how we just constantly get the door slammed in our face. Um, and it was like... You know, every time you knock on the door, it's just they see this suit and just slam the door. Well, who does get into the door? Um, the postman. The gas um, man. The milkman. The gas meter reader guy. Yeah. So we were like, right, that's it. Um, I went down to, um, you know, DIY store. I bought a tool belt and a hammer. Um, I got a scruffy blue shirt. I got a gas meter reader key. Oh, And brilliant. knocked on the door and went... You know, as soon as I knocked on the door and I was facing away, you know, they were like, come in. <laughs> so, what were um, you selling? <clears throat> well, selling, you know, the deregulation of um, gas and electricity <clears throat> had just happened. So you no longer had to pay British okay. Gas your bill. Yeah. You could swap who your yeah. supplier was. And this is in the early days. So so was the approach was, I've come to read your meter, but I've got an inside track on who you could actually get a better <laughs> well, deal no, for. I mean, I, yeah, I can, let me tell you about this because I'm going to save you some money. And, and oh. um, you know, it's my job to tell you about this stuff. And I'm so sorry I have to go through it. But look, if you've got two minutes, put the kettle on. We'll, we'll go through it together. Um, so, you know, went from doing, you know, five deals a week to doing 60 deals a week. Um, and, um, you know, that was that was pretty transformational. And I got a taste of a bit of the high life. So I stayed in the Hilton most weekends. I partied in, you know, in the tunnel in Glasgow. I'd buy myself two bottles of champagne, drink out of one and give one to s- some group of girls somewhere. Um, that was like... Uh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> Um, 18 years old. Um, then um, I set up, uh, so I, I started working for Caterpillar because I needed to learn how to do some corporate sales and actually grow up a little bit yeah. um, and did three years selling plant machinery. Um, then I, I, somebody told me one day I was obviously fantastic at sales. So um, I rather accidentally sort of um, started a sales outsourcing agency. Okay. So... Um, I employed 10 people for three years in Edinburgh. We had a little call center. We had four uh, part-time field salespeople, and we worked for tech businesses. Um, uh, or not just tech. I mean, we worked for Boots, the pharmacy. We worked for Swisscom. We pretty much did every, you know, uh, their entire wireless hotel land grab in the UK. Um, but they refused to pay their bill, and um, it was into the hundreds of thousands. And ultimately, that's what you know sent the company down three years later. Um, and uh, I, I tried a multitude of other things. I tried my own ISP selling, um, uh, white labeling somebody else's 
product. We were setting up a tech distribution company in Scotland with a with a with a small group of us. Um, and after all of these different ventures, I was sitting there thinking, I really don't know what this impact I'm having on the world is, but I'm coming up against a lot of brick walls here. Um, so I found myself back on the Isle of Mull, um, and I was in the pub one day, and somebody said to me, you know, it's a really interesting story. You should apply for the TV program The Apprentice. And um, I'd never heard of The Apprentice before, didn't know, didn't, never been a TV person. Really. Um, I'd rather be tucked into a self-help book or, or, um, or something about business than I would watching TV. Um, so I finished my fifth point and um, went up the road a little bit merry and um, looked at the application form and thought, sod it, I'll fill it out. Um, and I, 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 I put down, I think, the, the excess banter I'd put into the application form from having five pints into finding <laughs> myself six months later, having flown to London, done all the interviews, you know, literally gone through all of the loopholes, which were there, there were lots, signed the contract, ready to go on the show, bought myself. I was going to wear a kilt, so I bought oh, a kilt. I, I, know, I know, I know, I love it. I know. This is series two. You're right. Series okay. two. Which Michelle Dubery won. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Michelle, if you're listening, I've been trying to reach out to you uh, for a number of years. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, so after four hours of sitting outside the studio, the producers were coming out. You know, you're going on, you're not going on, you're going on, you're not going on. Final, you're going on, you're not going on. And I'm like, look, what's going on? Mum, I'm going on. I'm not going on. And eventually, they said, look, I'm sorry, we can't explain, but you're not going on the show this time. We'll fly you back to Scotland. Oh, okay. And the thing is, I told everybody on the island that I was leaving. I mean, they were standing on the pier waving goodbye. My mum, my dad, the dog, a couple of sheep. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, no way am I going back up there with my tail between my legs. Oh, no. So um, they, they took me to Heathrow Airport, and I looked at the departure board, and I went, ooh, next flight, Ibiza. That'll do. <laughs> Best place to go whenever you're getting over rejection. Um, so flew into Ibiza. Uh, partied for a few days and then started calling around and I was like, look, does anybody know anybody out here? Is there anyone I could, sh you know, catch up with, shack up with or whatever? And um, a friend was like, hey, you know, we've got some friends out there. They're staying in a villa. Go down. So I went down to that villa. Lo and behold, bumped into this guy who was staying at the villa who was an oil broker. And he listened to my story and he was like, you should be an oil broker. And surely enough, that's how I found my way to becoming an oil broker in London. Um, oh, my goodness. Which was, you know, 13 years of my life. Um, and and that would never have happened if you'd not if you'd actually got through the doors into that infamous or, boardroom. The sequences are are it, it, it all interlinked. So I so I started um, working as an oil broker, which is where two worlds collided for me. Yeah, right, partying yeah. and being successful. I for was sure. extremely good at partying. Yeah, yeah. And the more I did it, the more successful well, that's Scottish I was. Scottish blood in there, yeah. <laughs> um, And um, I started work on the crude oil desk, uh, which yeah. is a you know. It was a very seasoned desk, lots of older guys on it, you know, really protective. And I was super sharp, very good at the entertaining, so I, I quickly excelled. Um, and then I set up the Jet Aviation Desk, which is a desk that my company had tried with teams of guys three times previously to break into and failed. Um, and I made the market leader in three years. Um, and um, I, I was phenomenally successful setting up um, this desk. It was a lot of fun, but, you know, the whole oil broker lifestyle was wearing a bit thin. Um, but your your experience of literally knocking on doors around Glasgow as a teenager oh, yeah. and finding your way in, establishing rapport quickly, literally being let in the door, was obviously foundational in your ability to set up the, the, the jet fuel desk. Totally. I mean, you had to find new ways to deal with fuck off. 
um, in your face. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, sex and travel, my two favorite things. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, your, that was your response. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. You had to find, you had to wash it off. So, it, yeah. it, you know, I mean, yeah, there's some pretty horrific stories as well going around yeah. Glasgow. You could imagine some places yeah. you were just like, oh, my word. But, you know, that, that door-to-door sales was at a young age um, and being out there and grafting and, and, and pushing through. And then, you know, also when I ran my own call center, you know, 100 calls a day is like, that's the bread and butter. That's just the yeah. standard. Like, you yeah. haven't actually started a day's work until you've done 100 calls a day. You wow. know what I mean? So you're just like, just get on the phone and bang out 100 calls. Yeah. So to go and be an oil broker and then to have very thick skin from selling door to door and then to go from having done the phone calls, it just made me excel. Fantastic. So back to the point then, you, you're growing this desk fantastically right yeah, from a starting um, start. And, um, and, you know, so I, I met my wife um, and, uh, she, you know, we, we'd started to have a family, you know, um, all of these things. It was, life was pretty good, except I could feel that alcohol was just a wearing a bit thin. And the expectation was that I would be out once, maybe twice with work a week. And if you're out with work, you're, you're drinking. Sure. And then I might be doing it once or twice with friends at the weekend. Yep. So you're there, you're anything between two and four times merry or drunk a week. Um, and I never was never the type of person to carry on drinking. I never had a problem drinking, but I just knew in the back of my mind that drinking was a problem. And I guess I never, ever understood how much of a problem because it was, it was fun. It was exciting. It was all these things. But in hindsight now, the realization is I had all of these health issues. I had IBS right? Um, a decade of IBS, of seeing doctors, of oh, going really? to, to, yeah. to GPs, of, of seeing nutritionists, of changing my diet that, that never, never got understood. I, uh, counseling, pretty much in and out of counseling most of my life um, and, and, and really struggling with that. Um, you know, I had dry skin. I had all of these little niggling health issues. And, um, you know, I came to my boss one day and I said, look, I'm thinking about taking a break from booze. And the response was, you are committing commercial suicide if you don't drink alcohol. Because um, so, that's so much of the culture of socializing and doing deals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I went through a process, probably in the back of my mind. Actually, I started with this um, thanks to Andy. Andy and I used to work together in um, PVM, in our broking firm. And Andy's the co-founder. Andy's a co-founder of One Year Nobia. And um, so we used to work together, thick as thieves. You know, I would be it would, Friday afternoon, curry house midday. I would be, um, he, he'd be doing magic tricks, you know, there'd be 20 customers or something and, and I'd be topping up everybody's pint glass with champagne, right? <laughs> As you do, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so <clears throat> I, I met up with him and he was like, um, you know, he'd introduced me to this thing called Headspace, which was very early days yeah, yeah. for this. This is 2000. The, the, and, the app, the meditation yeah, app. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is 2013, 2014, and it's pretty fresh off the boat, Headspace. Yeah. So I started meditating on the train and this is what started to build an awareness. And I was like, Maybe alcohol's causing more trouble in my life than I realize. And of course, there was friction at home, right? You know, yeah. th- that was part and parcel of the job. Like, come on, just stay for one more and tell her the trains are delayed. Like, trains are delayed again. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so there was these friction areas, but I never really added them up. Um, met up with Andy, and, and um, that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to take a break. And, I, and, and, and the decision I had to make when I took a break from alcohol was... I am a, I'm deciding I'm no longer going to be that superstar top broker. I had to say goodbye to that part of me because I seen that, you know, you're just not going to be able to function as a broker with, if you don't drink alcohol. So I chose health over being successful. 
And I think that the reality is that there are so many people out there in the world right now who are petrified of making that choice because they think that's the choice. Yeah. But it's not true. It's not true. I was going to say, could you it's not completely kind of the opposite. To drink? <laughs> yes. Right, okay. So, so uh, the reality is I took a break for 90 days and everything got better. Everything got really? better. I was super sharper on the desk. I was much, much faster at the math. And half the thing is the math. Quick math, quick math. Yeah. Um, I was much more focused. I was in early. I was excited back into be into the job again. You know, I was better father, better, better um, husband. Fitter, lost a ton of weight. My IBS pretty much disappeared. All of these health issues that I'd spent so many years and, trying and, to fix. And your sort of mental health you, in terms of the counselling stuff, then that improved. Stop seeing counsellor. Because you didn't feel you needed didn't to. Didn't need to. Just like, poof, I feel so much happier. Um, so it was really transformational. And, and you know, on the 90 days, I, I towards the end of my 90 days, I, I went to go and catch up with Andy. And um, I he had left to go and set up his own broking firm. So now we're competitors and we shouldn't really be meeting. And we go to meet in this dark, dingy, off the beaten track pub. Um, and I'm thinking, oh, he's a massive boozer. It's, this is going to be like pints pressure o'clock. Um, and I walk in there and there's this literally half the ginger man I know, right? Yeah. He is just, he's unbelievable. And he'd lost like three stone. He'd six months alcohol free. He'd done his birthday. Um, he'd gone and, and, and set up this new firm he put down the you know very sharp success that they'd have early on doors down to being alcohol free, and together we were like, look, there's something absolutely massive here. We've got all of these benefits over taking a break from booze, but we felt beforehand that actually all of life was going to get worse. Or you know, it was just weird. How can we help other people to realize this thing? How can we help people? Um, see for themselves what happens when they stop drinking? Because I don't think anyone has any clue what impact, long-term impact alcohol's having on their life until they do at least 90 days off, off the source. So that's where we came up with One Year No Beer. And so uh, this was entirely born, as indeed most entrepreneurial ideas are, entirely born out of your own experience and the transformation that you got in a 90-day period. Yes. So it wasn't like you were poring over demographic charts and social trends and soaring about the millennials uh, choosing to monitor every step and what they're consuming and drinking less. This was like, wow, this has made such a massive difference in our world. We can help others with this. We, we gave all this away for free for the first year. We, we, we spent tens of thousands of pounds of our own money and hours and hours. And, and so it I'm wasn't a business about... for, from the start then? It was just you just wanted to make a difference? No, we, 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 uh, we were looking for – Andy was incredibly passionate about the positive psychology movement. He'd, in his breakaway, he'd done a psychology degree, master's, mindfulness practitioner, NLP practitioner. He'd yeah. gone absolutely Phenomenal. nuts for, right. the, for, yeah. the, for the learning. He discovered what's amazing for him is that he had been using alcohol as his whole life to be an extrovert. And he's an introvert. And this is quite common that people realize actually they're introverted and, and they, they don't want to be out and be gregarious and social and screaming loudly. Actually, they're quite happy studying, reading, learning, being at home, writing, but all that stuff. So that's that was his discovery. Um, and that totally transformed his life. But yeah, so when we when we first sat down and talked about this, uh, you know, again, what reflected onto me was. I knew in the back of my mind the journey that I'd been from six years old and younger. The, I had these recurring nightmares. That, that's what led to that letter about, about Richard Branson. It was all interconnected. And I was like, I'm here for a purpose. And, and, and you know, I believe this is to change the world. And I thought that the vehicle was giving this program away for free. Now, the reality was we got all over the world. So when we launched One Year No Beer, we launched it in 2016. Um, we were on the front page of Yahoo in 10 countries. We got a lot of press, these two brokers who were coming out to change the city. 
Um, and, um, you know, we had a, we had a pop, people popping up in China and in India. We had a following in Brazil. And we were like, this is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. And people started emailing in going, you've changed my life, right? That's, a, you know, the first time, oh, really, what? Hello? And it was like again and again and then handwritten letters. And I'd be lying in bed at night crying, reading out wow. a handwritten letter from a son saying, I've got my dad back. Gosh. I'm like, <laughs> are you wow. kidding me? And, and the thing is, I've done 13 years. Well, I've done 11, 10 years of an oil broker. And not one single day did I ever feel like I'd ever done anything from somebody else. Not wow. one single day did I feel like I had any impact, positive impact on somebody else's life. It, it, every day I went into that office and here was something where I was like, oh, my word. Was I this am, like extra fuel to the fire? Then? Yeah, so well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, this is, but the, in, in the background, as is always with these things, you know, in the front end, you're seeing life change and all these good things. In the back end, I'm answering customer support till three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I'm yeah, sitting yeah. at my desk at an oil broker and my, and, and, you know, massive. So you're still massive, doing the broking job at this oh, stage. Yeah. Of course you are. I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a desk head. I've got five brokers around me. I'm, I'm a, a senior shareholder in the, in the, in the business of PVM. Wow. And I am sitting here. We, we do, we do, you know, 30, 40, 50 deals a day. It's constant. You, you'll be on your phone, you sweaty armpits, right? It's a fast paced action. I'm doing that with my laptop open, answering people's problems about alcohol and trying to help. And then, so hold on, now your ADHD really is a superpower <laughs> because you can do this the multitasking. multitasking. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so and and also the thing was, my boss and you know, again, massive praise to to, to my boss. He was like, they they got together and like we, we, there were other people in the business like, Ruri must stop this. This is wrong. He should not be doing this. And they were like, look, you don't you have to understand, Ruri. If he didn't have this, there would be something else. He must have it. And if, if that's the way my brain works, I need to have raging drum and bass for me to be able to write a nice email or good copy. I have to have that noise. I have to have distraction. Um, it's either a twitch or something else like that. So that's like the ADHD brain. There needs to be chaos in order for there to be focus. Interesting. Yeah. Right, okay. So I crave chaos, always crave. I'm always trying to facilitate it. I'm always trying to make it. Um, I say this all the time, like I could go for the next ferry, but I never do. I always go to the ferry. That means I have to get there now. You know, it's 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 an exhausting life for my wife. <laughs> I can say for your wife, it must be. Oh, the poor lady. So, um, um, we 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 got to the end towards the end of the year, and I'm uh, you know another extremely grateful thing is is that Andy was like, look, I was nearly burnt out by this point. I bet. Um, so much energy put into this project, no revenue generation, costing us a huge amount of money. Um, we were up to six figures now. Um, you know, uh, of, of pushing it and promoting it, everything else. And, and I guess this is the, you know, there wasn't enough planning and strategy. And I can't wait to go back through you, what the lessons were. We'll go through all those those lessons um, because I'm going to write so many books on what not to do. I mean, there are so many books out there on what to do. I don't know how many books are out there on what not to do, but I know I'm going to be able to write some really good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> I've done, I've done everything you shouldn't yeah. do. Um, so the, um, the thing was... Um, uh, Andy said, look, let's try, let, uh, just, just trust me, let's try charging for it. Um, let's see what happens. So um, he, I said, look, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, I know there's this impact that's what driving me and I don't believe that's right. And um, so he he spent the time, effort and energy to put it in this thing called Kajabi. I'm so sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. So he put it into Kajabi and, you know, we started charging for it and then pretty much switched the lights off and we turned around and walked away for a couple of weeks and then we had a look and um, it was like three grand, three grand in a couple of weeks. And we were like, 
my God, this is unbelievable. So this gave us the right. People value this. This does have an impact. It does have an, the value on people's lives. People were saying, look, that's priceless. You know, before, what would I pay? Well, not much. After, what would I pay? The world, because you've changed my life, right? This is really funny. So that's what marketing is about, right? Isn't it? Sure. Marketing is about getting somebody to see the end result so that they can value the, the piece at the beginning. And I think, I think that's where you've got to get really clever. So, um, and we're still working on that. <laughs> But so, actually, your copy, the stuff that you write in the case studies that you have, for example, on Facebook, where you are showing before and after, yep. um, we'll come on to this in more detail, but I think you nailed that. You get that really right. And um, um, I was just speaking with your colleague this morning, and I was saying the bit that I like about it is it's not as if the aftershot is like some uber fit, six pack gym bunny that you. you uh, wouldn't necessarily uh, think you could relate to. Right. It's a normal human being who's totally. Lifestyle choices, yep. and by a little bit more time and a bit more energy, and not waking up groggy, they've gone out and done some more walking, yep. something like that. But they've lost weight; their skin looks amazing. They actually, looking in the eyes on their photograph, they look genuinely happier souls. Yeah. Well, this this is the bit. So, we'll, 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 we'll remind me to jump back into the the ADHD means we jump everywhere. But um, this is the thing with it: is that we're talking about an exponential difference over a single choice. Okay, the choice is: do you want to drink? Yes or no. Now, yes means I have a drink, but it usually always ends up being two or three. You don't sleep as well because it affects your, your REM, you put on uh, your deep sleep. Um, so you don't get that restorative sleep. Um, it's a depressant, so you feel more anxious. It facilitates the fact that you want to have a drink the next time. Because like any drug, it is a drug that they beget themselves. Once you start taking it, you have to stay, take it again and again just to stay normal. Now, the thing is, that on the way home, you think, sod it, I'll have a kebab. Um, you, you don't bother exercising the next day because you can't be bothered. You're feeling sluggish, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the choice of yes brings you down here, all the way down here because of all of these knock-on effects. But the choice of no is actually you do eat right. You do make the choices. You go to the gym. You exercise in the morning. You wake up fresh. You do meditate. You do your routine. You do all of those things. So the choice of yes or no over alcohol isn't just tiny. It's absolutely polar opposite. And that's why you see these massive transformations. And I guess the other bit from that is, uh, uh, um, in fair credit to our program and the work that Andy put into it, we both put into it, but primarily Andy, is that the, 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 we are not just not drinking, right? This is not just don't drink, because anybody can go and do that. You know, anybody can go and sign up to one of these month-long challenges and not drink. Great. Well done. Um, you know, it's great to have a break from booze. We have created a program that helps you change your relationship with alcohol, and that's a process. And the process means that you start to discover why you're drinking, and you learn how to get those things, but in a natural, Alpha. healthy way. Right, yeah. And when you do that, you implement the good healthy habits, it's totally transformational. So our before and afters and the people who are going out and they're changing their lives is absolutely, you know. But from my point of view, having uh, grown up with parents that drink and everybody listens to this podcast know that I sail and the kind of sailing community, there's alcohol associated with that. So it's absolutely been a part of my upbringing. And I came across your stuff on Facebook before I met you in person and it really resonated with me. And it, and it, it, what, it, it actually didn't come from a point of view of you lecturing or, or when you know, be lecturing me and saying, you bad person because you choose to drink. Yep. It came about, do you want to make a choice? 
And the bit that actually resonated the most was, you know, we mentioned NLP before, the NLP terminology about pacing ongoing reality. You said, do you wake up in the morning feeling a bit fuzzy head? Have you, if you've you're drunk, um, say on a Friday night after a busy week, uh, do you not have the same energy that you need to do to go and exercise, spend time with the children, etc.? And I'm going tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Um, not that I'm uh, sometimes occasionally suffered from hangovers. The hangovers wasn't the main thing. It was feeling sluggish yeah. and not feeling after being away on the road, putting all my energy into my work, having a bottle of wine on a Friday night or a Saturday, and a Saturday night, and then on. I wasn't being, I didn't have the energy to be a dad. Mm. And those were the things that came about choice. I think if you'd had lectured or anybody had lectured at me and you should say, you'd said to me, don't drink. And I'd gone, yeah, you're right, but I, I, I like a drink. Yeah. And what you, or rather your team, your copy, your marketing had done that permeated into me was a recognition of, actually, I want to make a different choice now. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing is there's no labels, no stigma, nothing like that. And so, so if we, if you, if you wind back to, to the journey of this, when we started looking at this, it was like, it has to be completely different to everything else out there. Cause when we looked out there, we didn't feel like there was any support for us. Um, my, one of my counselors had said to me, look, go to an AA meeting and, and, and just, just so, you know, that I'm not suggesting you're like that at all, but go to the AA meeting just so that you could see where things end up if you do go off the rails. So I went down to one and I, and I was like, I'm nothing like, I'm nothing like th- those people. I'm just nothing like it. So I instantly disassociated and then found that there was nothing out there when I was questioning myself. There's no, there's no resource um, so we wanted to create a platform that was completely different, uh, you know, really focused on the positives, focused on being fitter, faster, an athlete, being a pro, being, you know, the best entrepreneur you can be, being the calmest dad, the calmest partner, um, being, just being happy and healthy because that's what this does. So um, when Andy started charging for it, we um, reinvested in the platform and then we relaunched in 2017. Um, this time we had, had a 28-day challenge, a 90-day challenge, a 365-day challenge, and um, started to grow a bit. Um, we had an absolute disaster with the launch, absolute disaster with the technology. 2017 was one of the worst years of my life. Um, you know, just incredibly passionate about trying to get this thing to build, but so mired in so many problems. And then asking myself the question, like, if this was true, like if this was something that the, 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 the planet wanted to exist, why? Why am I being beaten, right? And, and like why is this happening? Because here it should be going viral. It should have gone viral at free if it should have existed. And I think this is the part when you start to look back and you realize that you had to go through all of those things. Oh, sure. And you had to go through those pains and those journeys and everything else. And and they are they are blips, but oh my word, it is it can tough be incredibly tough. Yeah, but so, every entrepreneurial journey is the same. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, so the middle of the year, 2017, we'd spent 25 grand with a PR agency, and they got us absolutely diddly squat a matchbox with 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 in in the sun with not even a mention. I mean, it was just like <laughs> it was horrific. Best 25 grand I've ever spent, um, and. Um, so we, we, I left out of the meeting with them and I went across to cafe um, and I got onto Twitter and I saw a 30-year-old um, alcohol research had just come out um, and some really interesting insights to it. So I tweeted it out to 10 journalists. One of those journalists was a BBC news journalist and we got into a conversation. She was about to do a piece on AA and women and we talked about what we were doing and she was like, forget that, let me do it about one year, Nobia. 
Two months later, we had a 10-minute feature on BBC World News in over 200 countries. No way. Like, what kind of business gets wow. a 10-minute feature, right? Uh, yeah, but not this just in your local country, territory, but across all the, world. Over the world. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. So this was, this was transformational in two ways. One, a friend of mine called me up in Italy and he said, Ruri, I've just seen what you're doing on the news. I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. I'm meeting the Dalai Lama next week. Would you like to meet him? No way. So, so a week later, I fly over to Pisa and I, it shouldn't have happened. And so many things, and this all comes down to this much, much deeper meaning and everything else and purpose I ended up spending quite a lot of time in the Dalai. I asked him a question in front of about 5,000 people in Pisa. I shouldn't have been there. Um, and, um, you know, we were invited into the front. We ended up staying at his hotel. Um, you know, we saw him at breakfast in the morning. And the thing is, for me, that is when everything made sense. And this is quite a hard thing because there's actually something quite spiritual about what, what we're doing anyway um, with removing alcohol and, you know, the word spirit. I don't want to get too deep into that. But... Um, the 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 um there's something quite deep uh, sorry yeah there's something about spiritual about what we were doing i had started meditating this led me on to meeting the dalai lama now i knew i absolutely emphatically knew those nightmares when i was 6 the letter i'd written to richard branson all of those failed startups everything had led me to this point so i handed in my notice as an oil broker on monday morning and my boss was like are you kidding me like you have built up this desk You've got it just to that place where it's cream land. You can sit on your ass just turning up and, you know, come. Yeah, Enjoying the fruits of your previous yes, labors. Yes, yes, yeah. right? No, I can't do another day. I cannot do another day. So um, that's when I had to get my both feet in aligned. Now, the big thing for me was my spiritual alignment, awakening, my purpose, my meaning in, in, in making an impact in the world. But the the impact on the business was that our best previous month had been 20 grand and the BBC feature generated 70,000 pounds in 10 days. Whoa. Yeah. So for us, we just knew it was about exposure. Um, we just knew this is about eyeballs on, on the thing. So, um, rest of 2017. So at this stage you had a, a wealth of experience around selling. Did you then have to go out and learn about the marketing aspect? Oh yeah. I had no yeah. idea about marketing. And yeah. you know, that's that's what I've been learning since we started this in two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um and you know, I've paid lots of gurus, I've joined lots of the the clubs, I've done Stu McLaren's tribe, I've been around all I've been around the circuit backwards and left from Tuesday. And um I uh, yeah, so and obviously all of that has been helpful and, and you know, gets you in along in your way. But so um, tail end of 2017, uh, we were finishing off our book and our book launched in January 2018. That's the 28 day alcohol free challenge book. And it went, you know, to number one in its categories on Amazon when it launched. Um, and then about middle of 2018, we'd been steadily growing. Um, obviously, I'd left. Uh, one, of, one of the things um, now we're, we're talking about these these fun events is um we started to really aggressively scale our Facebook advertising back in 2017. Um, and we had two agencies competing against each other um, in different sectors. And uh, <clears throat> one of the agencies turned up and said, the, uh, the one agency that was on a revenue share turned up and said, um, we can't get anywhere near what your other agency is in conversion. Do you mind if we have a look under the hood? And we were like, yes, no harm. And the thing is, at this time, we were you know, due to spend about £60,000 in that month in, uh, in, in Facebook advertising as we were ramping up. Um, and we'd started getting an office and we started hiring people. And it was like, here we go. 
so once they started to look under the hood, they were like, hang on a minute, there's something seriously wrong here. And this coincided with me looking at the bank going, hang on a minute, there is something seriously wrong here. Like Facebook says we've generated £120,000 of revenue. Um, and um, where is this? You know, and I was trying to work out the delays and how much time does it come from Stripe and everything else. Turns out the pixel was double counting and... They'd put in a, so you were being double, double billed by Facebook? No, it was showing double the amount of revenue for every sale that was coming in. And and they had a £10 attribution for every email they captured. And they'd captured 5,000 emails in about uh, 20 days. Wow. So that was 50 grand of made up money. Wow. So the thing is, is that that put the business in a precarious position again. It's like, uh, how would I know that? And, you know, I've had the lectures, I've had the, well, you should be looking at the numbers and the KPIs and that, but how many numbers can you look at all the time across the business? And do you trust an agency to do their job? And it's all learning. It's all learning. Um, so that was the other point I learned is make sure that there's three points of any uh, single piece of data piece that's critical to the business. Make sure you're getting three points to check it. There you go. When you say three points, what do you mean by you that? You need to find three different ways to check that data to point. To track it. Yeah. If you, are, if you have some piece of data point which is critical to the business, find three different and platforms. Actually, I think back to my KPMG days and doing audits, when if we were testing something, you know, we, were, we would look, the third, uh, the third piece of verification was the one that gave the comfort that it was, it was right. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> I like that. Um, maybe it was a KPMG person who told me. No. Um, 2018, um, we were going through and we were like, right, let's, it's time to add some fuel to this fire. Um, we want to keep growing it. Um, you know, one year, no beer has never made a profit in, in this time. So it's still taking a large amount of investment for me. I've left the oil picking job. I've now got rid of all the broker lifestyle. I've moved up to Scotland. I am, um, you know, desperately trying to make this work. I've reduced all of my costs down to next to zero, pulled my kids out of private school, looked at the longevity of this and said, I can't stay in this lifestyle in the hope that things are going to blow up. Also, it's totally unfair with the nature of what we do to expect that kind of lifestyle to be covered. So that's why we moved everything up here, reduced all our costs, um, knuckled down, as it were. And, um, you know, got talking to a few people and they were like, you know, because of the size of your audience now, you really should go crowdfunding. Um, it's a great crowdfunding thing. So we started the ball rolling on crowdfunding. And my lawyer was t- one day, big shout out to Stuart. Um, he said, you know, why don't you see if you've got some seed investors on, on, your, on your mailing list? So on the train on the way back to North Berwick, I wrote a little email saying, hey, you know us. You know what Andy and I are trying to achieve here. We want to transform the world. This is not like a small thing. We're not trying to do a small, we, we need your help. And if you're a six-figure investor, um, please shout out to us because we're going to go crowdfunding in January. And I came in the next day to 74 emails. No way. And we raised 1.1 million in five weeks. Just from your list, effectively. Yeah, just from the list. Love that. And the thing is, it, 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 it's hard to not get emotional because these investors were like, Ruri, you've changed my life. This has totally and so, utterly changed I, I my life. For the benefit of the listeners, you need to say about some of the named investors, if you're able to, <laughs> yeah. some of the caliber of where they come from, because they're not yeah. just the, the, the people that are notable, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. You know, we've got the ex global head of mergers and acquisitions at HSBC. We've got a 10 year director at Facebook, a senior leader at Google. We've got. Um, 
Uh, we've got a guy who runs a major hotel and pub chain and said, you know, I want you to help us to try and change our um, venues into flagships of the alcohol-free um, uh, oh movement. Um, so a whole, a whole new vision got, of what know, a meeting place, social meeting place for a brick could be. Yeah, the thing, the yeah. thing about it is, is that Andy and I tried to aim the marketing at us. Um, because we saw that f- that that financial ser- financial place, that boozy culture, city culture, really is as the as the most need. Um, and if we could if we could help these these people, and that's I think that's exactly where we attracted a lot of the audience. So um, that was transformational for the for the business. That means we could start to get people in, and um, and we started to hire. So that was October. We um, closed the round, and you know we were sixteen staff by. January, February. Um, of this year, 2019, 16 stuff, yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of people. And the thing is, when you add fuel to the fire like that and you start recruiting heavily, it is a bit of a revolving door. You haven't worked out your culture yet. You haven't worked out what fits. You haven't worked out your hiring processes. Um, Reid Hoffman says this all the time, but it, it, it wasn't like, you know, jumping off a cliff and trying to trying to um trying to build on the plane down it's like literally you know rocket propelled shooting down from a cliff or strapped to some rocks jumping off a cliff um like quick build this thing um so it's 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 been a bit like that and we've seen absolutely phenomenal so growth you've actually created the chaos that you thrive off yeah Totally. Yeah. Oh, every day. But they say, you know, people constantly say the business is a reflection oh, of, uh, no, no. of of the founder. Yeah, and yeah. Um, hey, <laughs> it's chaos. So you want people when they come, they, they come to join your business to go, fasten your seatbelt, you're in for a hell of a ride. 100%. That's Actually, a, you're going to need a six-point harness. Well, you, you look at the people in this place, and I know yeah. you've spent some time with them now, is that almost every single person here could command a considerably larger salary. For sure. We're not, we not a charity. We're a business. Yeah. Um, almost every single person in here is... Is going to be working evenings or weekends. Now we do we build we're building a business next to the beach in in North Berwick, um, and we want to have that culture, that health, and and everything else. But at the moment, we've got a lot of grafting, and you know the community never sleeps, and there's always something to fix or sort out. So you know we're very flexible, but we've got a big job to do, and uh, you know we've got an incredible team now who are who are pulling out all the stops, and and that's the thing is that. You know, we whip out these post-it notes every time there's something, you know, incredible. And there are so many incredible stories. Stick it on the wall about what somebody said about what we do. And that's what drives all of us um, because, you know, it's 100% mission-driven and that, that we are having a major impact on people's lives. Um, so that just drives everyone. So where next for one year no beer? Um, well, <clears throat> um, we have just gone through our second, or we're just going through our second round of funding. Again, I sent out another email. Um, we, we we had a million in shareholders agreements out within a week. So um, I, I, again, to your list, I'm going to yeah, just just to the list. Um, so I've never had to go out to. Well, I would say I would never have to go out to seasoned investors, but we've got some incredibly seasoned investors. I mean, the the chairman of the biggest angel network in Scotland is our chairman and, and on the board. Um, and um, yeah, so we have these these amazing people um, who get it. And the thing about this whole thing, <clears throat> thing about this whole project, right from the beginning to the end, is that when you don't get it, you don't get it because you're in the matrix. So think about that for a second. Is that we are all programmed and conditioned through society, through social conditioning, through peer pressure, through our business, through marketing, that alcohol is the best thing since sliced bread. 
And so we are in the matrix of alcohol. It's totally riddled in our society. It's totally normalized. I'm just going to go into this for one second because people sw switch off. But have you ever Googled what is alcohol? Right? If you Google what is alcohol, it says a colorless, flammable, uh, um, soluble, a colorless, flammable um, liquid also known as ethanol. Now, the thing is, you know, people say this you know, glass of wine is good for you or a, a pint of beer or two pints of beer is good for your brain health. Has there ever, ever, ever in the history of ever been a study that's putting ethanol into the human body is good for you? No, there never has been, right? And there never will be. So it's just a poison. Um, and this is the reason why, you know, when we, what we have to try and get people to do is pluck them out of the matrix. So if you think about that, you're in the matrix, life is all completely normal, everyone's doing it, you know, why would I not drink? Are you crazy? Come on. Why are you not drinking? I don't understand. People just don't get it because they're in the matrix. But when you come and press the reset button on your relationship, and that's me, I'm, I'm Morpheus, right? You're Neo. <laughs> and I'm giving you the choice now of the, of the blue pill I'm or the red pill. And, 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 and you can take the blue pill and stay drinking alcohol and keep going. No problem. You will yeah. end up on the list of all that other health issues, blah, 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 blah. Or you can come and take the red pill with me and you're going to transform your life. Or Neo doesn't transform his life in the best of ways, but, <laughs> but this is the opposite. It's a, a beautiful thing. If you've enjoyed this, you're going to want to listen to the second part where we go even deeper. We share some of the lessons, or rather Ruri shares some of the lessons, uh, key lessons that he's learned today on his journey of growing and scaling one year no beer. And we also go into a little bit about uh, the impact on meeting, uh, the meeting he had with the Dalai Lama and how that came about and some of the sort of synchronistic uh, things that happened in order for that to come about. So listen out for episode number 44, which will come out next Monday, where we do the second part of the interview with Ruri Fairbairns of One Year No Beer. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success, and create more impact. <laughs>